glory to receive the honor. How do you do? It seems that in this world, the truth is getting harder and harder to find. That's why New City Fellowship of Atlantic City is proud to present to you the truth straight from God's Word. We hope you enjoy today's broadcast of New City's Sunday Sermon. Can't get more practical than this text. Something that I would imagine every one of us deals with on one level or another. Matthew six twenty-five. You know what? We're going to begin with reading verse 19 so you get the context. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. Hear the Word of God to you this morning. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, and this is what we'll be dealing with this morning, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thus ends the reading of God's holy and errant word. May he bless it to our hearts and lives this morning. Please be seated. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Ain't that the truth? My brothers and sisters in Christ, the truth is we live in anxious times, don't we? People are fretting over the state of the stock market. It goes up, it goes down. The price of gas and oil. The state of the housing market. We're still trying to find the bottom of that thing. The direction that our country seems to be headed in. 
So we have to ask ourselves, where do we go to find solace, to find security, to find inner peace in such times of unrest and uncertainty? Really, we haven't had times like this since the first Great Depression. Well, if you serve money, if money is your master, if you're storing up for yourselves treasures on earth, then what our Lord Jesus is telling us is you will never be free from anxiety. You'll never be free from worry, and you'll always have to deal with fear. Because all you've set your heart on, all that you've labored and toiled for, could be gone in a split second. Like that. Stock markets crash. I was just told of a a family who had like a million in there, and it was cut down to like half a mil, and then it just got worse from there. (laughs) Now they're underwater. And at one point, they had a million. Hard to believe. You can have identity theft. Some of us know what that's about. You can get your identity online, and then you're in trouble. A number, we can go on and on of a number of earthly disasters that could happen and that could leave you desolate. But that's not my reasoning. I'm not just saying that these can happen. That's, these things can happen. That's Jesus' reasoning. That's why he said this in verse 19. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's the issue about money. Money is a good servant. We can use money for a lot of good things. But money is a horrible master, isn't it? What Jesus is telling us in this section of his sermon is that when money is your God, then you can expect it to reward you with worry, anxiety, and fear. But when the one true God of heaven and earth is your God, then you don't have to be dominated by worry or anxiety. For the God you serve makes it his business to care for you, to provide for you, and to meet your genuine needs. Now, I want to say this before I jump right into the text itself. I want to say that these verses, in these verses, Jesus is addressing those who have come to God the Father through him. In other words, Jesus is addressing his disciples, those who have put their trust in him. So the first step in dealing with anxiety and worry is to turn from your sins and trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. That way, when Jesus says things like this, your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask, then you could say, you could know in your heart, oh, Jesus is talking to me. You follow me? That's how you know that all these wonderful promises and words that Jesus is about to say to, to calm your worries, to get rid of your fears, they apply to you. And they will only apply to you if you've trusted in him as your Savior and Lord. So I'm going to say that from the beginning. Usually you wait to the end of the sermon to say that. I'm saying it now. All right, so let's see what Jesus says to his people that are trusting in him. What we're going to see from this text is that instead of wasting our energy on worrying, Disciples of Jesus can put their energy toward worshiping, knowing that God will take care of them. So instead of putting our energy to worry, we can put our energy to worship because we know God's going to take care of us. It's that simple. Two things I'm going to bring out of this text. Very simple 
and fairly brief message for me this morning. First thing is why we shouldn't worry. Jesus is going to tell us why. A lot of times as parents, we can't always tell our kids why. We just have to say, because I said so. Not in this text. Jesus is going to tell us why we shouldn't worry. Second thing we're going to see, and the only other thing, is why we should instead worship. Why we shouldn't worry, why we should worship. So now let's look at some of the reasons that Jesus gives, because he gives us a few why we shouldn't worry. First thing is a very simple thing. won't spend a lot of time on it. He says this, because there's more to this life than feeding and clothing our bodies. Simple thing. Look at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life or what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes. <laughs> I think us Italians really need to hear that one. <laughs> you know, isn't life more about food? We're like, really? I learned a lot when I came to Christ. Oh, it's not just about? No, it's not, Santo. But Jesus isn't dismissing our bodily needs or saying that we shouldn't give any thought to providing for our physical needs and the needs of others that are dependent on us. He's the one who told us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. What he is telling us to do is to stop worrying about these things. That's the difference. Just as he taught us about prayer, we don't let it be the focus of our lives. It's not all about gathering food and getting clothes. Why not? Because our lives are more important than that. There's much more to life than eating and drinking. The kingdom of God isn't about that. It's about peace and joy and the Holy Spirit. Verse 33 certainly bears this out. We'll look at that later in more detail where Jesus mentions this text that's quoted very often. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, focus on the important things in life and God will take care of these other things, everyday things. But I want to jump right to the next reason. Next reason Jesus gives is this. Worrying, this is my favorite one, is incompatible with common sense. Or I guess we should say sanctified common sense. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Than they? Now Jesus uses an illustration from nature to make his point. Now I know you all make fun of me. And some of you do it behind my back. Some of you do it to my face. But you make fun of me because I'm a bird watcher. You say, that, you know, I have my binoculars. I'm like, ooh, that's a tough, to, you know, whatever it is. You're like, oh, what? You make fun of me. But what's interesting here is that Jesus actually tells you to be a bird watcher. We got a command where Jesus says, take a look at the birds of the air. I want you to look. Your pastor's not as crazy as you thought. He says, look, they don't plant, they don't harvest, they don't store away grain in a barn, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? See, when we're tempted to worry about the daily pressures of life, the necessities of life, Jesus is saying, stop and think about this. If God cares about those birds that flit around, you see them in your yard and they're messing around, if he cares about them, how much more is he going to care about those creatures he's made in his own image, those children that he has redeemed with the precious blood of his own son? It's a very simple lesson. 
When we look at it from that perspective, from Jesus' perspective, we see how illogical it is to worry. But Jesus goes on to say an even more basic question, ask an even more basic question. Verse 27, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Vance Havner says this, worry like a rocking chair will give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. You ever notice that? When you worry, you're just spinning your wheels, aren't you? How many of us go about worrying like our worrying and fretting can actually do something? You ever meet people like that? Worry warts? They actually think they're accomplishing something by worrying? They think that by worrying, they can change the circumstances that they dread. But here's what's interesting. Jesus says, you can't even add one hour. Forget about a day. You can't add one hour to your life by worrying. Now, here's the interesting thing. Medically, we find that actually you could probably shorten your life, right, if you worry too much. So not only can you not add to your lifespan, you can actually shorten it. Now, this is a powerful quote I've heard. Someone once said this, Worry is the advance interest you pay on troubles that seldom come. I want to read that again. Worry is the advance interest you pay on troubles that seldom come. The story is told that there was, for several years, a woman had been having trouble getting to sleep at night because she feared burglars. She was so deathly afraid that someone was going to bust into her house. Well, one, one night her husband heard a noise in the house, so he went down to investigate. When he got there, he did find a burglar. So he said, good evening. I'm pleased to see you. Come upstairs and meet my wife. She's been waiting for 10 years to meet you. (laughs) I like that. But I mean, how true is that? I mean, think about it. You fear death long enough. Well, someday you are going to die, right? Unless Jesus comes in our lifetime. I came across some interesting statistics. I don't know if they're perfect, but I still think think they, they do tell us something. An average person's anxiety is focused on, listen to this, 40% of things that will never happen. 40% of the time, you're worrying about something that's never even going to happen. 30% of the time, things about the past that can't be changed. 12% of the time, things about criticism by others, mostly untrue. 10% of the time, about health, which gets worse with stress. I like that one. 8% about real problems that will be faced. So basically about 8% of the time are the even things that we really have to deal with. We shouldn't worry because Jesus is saying it doesn't make sense to. Now I I got this great quote from Ian McLaren, Scottish preacher, the same last name my wife had before she married me, by the way. And he says this, What does your anxiety do? It does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it does empty today of its strength. It doesn't make you escape the evil. It makes you unfit to cope with it when it comes. God gives us the power to bear all the sorrow of his making, but he does not guarantee to give us strength to bear the burdens of our own making, such as worry induces. Isn't that wise? I think those are wise words. You know, I want to tell you this, and I think uh, I've been here now for over three and a half years. And even before that, I had to raise my own funds. Some of you know what that's all about. 
That was one of my big fears in life, by the way, as a Christian. That's one of the reasons I didn't go into missions earlier, because I just had this fear about asking people to support me. Um, so, incredibly, and I, I, I do mean this from the heart, God gave me a peace. And I had no anxiety, no worry. When I was called Atlantic City, I knew I needed to be here. And for the first time in my life, I just totally threw myself upon God's providence and said, let me just go out and raise support, and I know God's going to do it. And literally to this day, he has supplied my needs. But I've got to tell you this. The reason I'm telling you this story. All those around me, my church planning coach, my session, borrowed session, my presbytery, they, they kind of think I'm nuts. <laughs> They're like, I can't believe the things that you trust God for. Well, about, I guess it was six months ago or so, um, that all changed when a dear brother who has supported me sacrificially, lovingly, to this day, we're st- he's still supporting me personally in New City, but he said something that he didn't realize was used to really derail me. He made a comment, something like, Sant, if you don't get out there and do more fundraising, the doors are going to shut in a couple months. So what do you think I did? I began to fret. I began to worry. So here's the guy who has been trusting completely, or pretty close to completely, for years. And so I've been able to stay in that sweet spot, not get nervous when I didn't have my paycheck next month or next week. And all of a sudden, worry took, took over me. And I was in such a pit. I didn't tell any of you because sometimes I think I'm tough and I can get myself out of stuff. I probably should have said somebody help me. Because I went into a depression where I didn't want to leave my house, where I was just, it was rough. And it was all because of worry. I worried about something that I couldn't control. It's not like I wasn't out on the fundraising trail. It wasn't like I wasn't asking and I wasn't praying and I wasn't doing what I knew how to do. But thank God, in his mercy, he got me out of that worry. And that doesn't mean it's still not tight. It doesn't mean sometimes I don't know where that check is coming from, but I learned one lesson. Worry didn't help me one iota, did it? Worry didn't help me get the money. (laughs) I'll tell you that much. It wasn't like by worry and all of a sudden the money came in my checking account. Amen? And it's the same thing with anything you worry about. You're paying interest on something that hasn't even happened yet. And worrying, Jesus says, doesn't even make common sense because worry does not add to the solution of the problem. One last reason I want to point out that he gives why we should not worry Simply put, and this is tough to hear, but worry is incompatible with the Christian faith. If you are a true believer, it's incompatible with your faith in Christ. Listen to verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow stone into the fire, how... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little what? Faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. That's tough words, isn't it, from our Lord? He's saying, you're acting like a pagan. That's what he's saying. He's saying, when you worry, you're acting like a complete rank unbeliever, like a godless person. George Mueller once said this. He was the guy who started orphanages and who gave his life 
to orphans. And he had no money. Talk about fundraising. <laughs> That's what he did most, if not all, of his life. And he said this, The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. And that's what happened to me. When I got my eyes back on Jesus, the worry went away. The anxiety, the problems didn't all go away, but the anxiety and the worry, which didn't help me anyway, went out the window. And we need to help each other, encourage one another. Remind me when you hear me start doing the mayday, mayday. Pick me up. Sant, your eyes, where are they? I need you to do that for me, and I will try by God's grace to do that for you. Psalm 63.1 says this, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. As Christians, we should seek not the gifts, listen here, but the giver. God is the one we should be seeking. Not the blessings he provides, which he does provide. But let's get first things first. Remember this old poem. It's a little corny, but I like it. Said the robin to the sparrow, I would really like to know why those anxious human beings run around and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. The birds rebuke our unbelief. So we see why we shouldn't worry by the words of our own Lord. But let's take a look briefly at why we should worship. And the last thing I want to point out, look at verse 33. Jesus ends with this, or a couple verses, but, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, take all that energy that pagans put into seeking after food, after clothing, and put it into seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all those other things will be added to you as well. So what Jesus is saying is worship. Don't worry. Give to God all your devotion, all your praise, all your adoration. Make His kingdom and His righteousness your number one priority because when we make His business our first priority, then God takes care of our business. You follow that? You seek Him first and then He takes care of all those other things that He knows you need. Now, I heard this, and I thought this was an awesome illustration. Uh, a young concert violinist was asked the secret of her success. This is powerful. And this is what she said, because I really relate to this in my own life. This is what she said, planned neglect. Then she explained it. Years ago, I discovered that there were many things demanding my time. After washing breakfast dishes, I made my bed, straightened my room, dusted the furniture, and did a host of other chores. I then turned my attention to violin practice. That system, however, failed to accomplish the desired results. So I realized I had to reverse things. I deliberately set aside everything else until my practice period ended. That program of planned neglect accounts for my success. You hear what she's saying? In other words, she put her violin playing first. She took care of the most important thing. That was her life's calling. And then she got, had the time once she was done with that, she did the other things. <laughs> I can relate to that. When I work for, at home, from my, my home office, I find myself cleaning the house, doing, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've got to prepare for a sermon. Yeah, right? All that energy was already used, and I'm kind of like, trying. 
But when I do the opposite, when I take care of what I have to do first, then the laundry and everything, you could do that with the extra strength you have left. But I think that's a great illustration of seeking first God's kingdom, his righteousness, and the other things he'll take care of. This is what John Stott says. Heathen ambition focuses on material necessities. But this cannot be right for Christians, partly because your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but mostly because these things are not an appropriate or worthy object of the Christian's quest. He must have something else, something higher as the supreme good which he will energetically seek. Not material things, but spiritual values. Not his own good, but God's. In fact, not food or clothing, but the kingdom and the righteousness of God. Isn't that awesome? God's worthy of your attention. He's worthy of your energy. He's worthy of your worship. So then Jesus says this, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today, Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that's the difference, by the way. Let me say this. Between concern and worry. When we see things are rough or whatever, we need to be concerned and we need to take appropriate actions to remedy the situation with God's help. That's concern. We could be concerned about things. But there's a difference between being concerned, which leads us to godly actions, and worry, which just eats us up like a cancer and actually stops us from doing some of the things that we probably should be doing, like worship and praise and seeking his righteousness. So the antidote to worry, trust in God. That's it. Are you worrying or are you trusting? Oh, ye little faith, Jesus says. The alternate to worry, alternative to worry, is worship. Here's the awesome thing. You don't serve a horrible master like money, but you serve a gracious master, God. Here's the thing I want to close with, and I want you to remember this. That'll help you practically when you leave this room this morning. The thing to remember when you're tempted to give in to worry, number one, it won't help the situation, but will hurt you. That's what Jesus says. Secondly, if God cares for the lesser creation, you know he's going to care for you. You could trust him. And thirdly, God wants you to take all that energy and use it to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We throw that verse around a lot and appropriately at times, but let's remember it's in this context of putting first things first, seeking God and his kingdom and his righteousness, and then God taking care of our daily necessities. So don't worry. This week, remind yourself, remind each other. Don't worry. Are you worrying? Worship. God's got it. You know, his job description, believe me, you can't carry out. They're too big. Those shoes are really big. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you care for your creation, that even things and and beings that uh, that we think aren't worthy, we see like the birds flitting about, we take a look over here in the marsh, and we see that we're like, "Ah, who cares? You care. You care for them. And if you care for them, how much more then do we know that you really care for your children who look to you for help, for guidance, and for our daily necessities? Lord, we thank you for providing for our little church plant. We thank you for providing for the families among us and the individuals here that we sometimes struggle. But most of all, Lord, we pray that you would direct our hearts to you and that you would help us to use our energy and our time to put first things first, which is you, Jesus in your kingdom. We pray it in your name. Amen. This Sunday sermon was preached by the Reverend Dr. Santo Garofolo. 
New City's Sunday Sermon is recorded live on location at New City Fellowship of Atlantic City. If you're in the Atlantic City area, stop by. Our address is 5215 Wellington Plaza, Ventnor, New Jersey. Worship is at 10 o'clock a.m. every Sunday. Visit us online at newcityac.org. That's www.newcityac.org. You Are is written by the Reverend Dr. Santo Garofolo and performed by the New City Fellowship of Atlantic City's Praise Band. Join us next week for a brand new New City's Sunday Sermon.